It's 2016, and award season has kicked into high gear. Once again, we're diving deep into the Oscar race. This is Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Chris Rock, and I'm hosting the Oscars. Much like New Year's Eve, it'll be a night that ends with a lot of drunk, disappointed people swearing they'll do better next year. The Oscars, live Oscar Sunday, February 28th on ABC. Hi, I'm Christina Jorling-Biro. Happy New Year, and welcome back to everyone listening. So it's the first days of January, and that means it's pretty much award season frenzy in the movie community leading up to the Oscars in February. And I can't think of a better way to start the Pop Culture Confidential 2016 season than continuing our very, very in-depth analysis and countdown towards the Oscars with Oscar expert Sasha Stone of Awards Daily. Welcome back, Sasha. So great to have you here again. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so nice to talk to you. So, Sasha, I wanted to talk to you before the official Oscar ballot deadline on January 8th, when the Academy has finished voting on the nominees. The Golden Globes are just a few days away, and then on January 14th, the Oscar nominations are announced. And these past few weeks, there's been a flurry of critics' awards and nominations handed out, and they tend to be a huge predictor of the Oscars, as you have taught us. The Screen Actors Guild, the New York Film Critics and LA Film Critics, the Writers Guild, etc. But just a few moments ago, the Producers Guild announced its nominations, and there, there was no Carol, no Force Awakens, no Hateful Eight. What happened there, and did it surprise you? Mm. Well, I think that it's a kind of a crazy year. I, I feel like this is maybe one of the first years I've seen in a long time where the pundits, people like me, um, kind of don't know where they're going or what, what to predict because it's been so unpredictable. And that happens sometimes, you know, where we just have no idea. You know, every announcement is a new surprise, it seems like. And I don't know if that's because the amount of awards coverage has just sort of tuned everybody out. So... We're on our own channel, and the voters are all on their own channel, and there's no you know, communication back and forth between the two, so that we're kind of driving our own narrative, and we expect that the voters are also going to follow that narrative if they're staying on top of Twitter. But there are some things that, are, that seem fast and true that are holding true. So what do you say about this Producer Guild thing? That I mean, Carol has won so many other of these um, awards that have been this past month. What, what happened here? Well, I think the thing about Carol is that people weren't really listening to what people were saying about it in larger groups. So I think that we were driving the narrative because we saw it back in Cannes and we loved it so much and we were, you know, championing it and our advocacy kind of got in the way of our predictions thinking, of course it's going to go. It's Weinstein. You know, they went to Telluride. It's done really well. It has two strong Best Actress performances. It's the most beautiful film of the year. The cinematography is incredible. How could they possibly ignore it? And in fact, the Academy might not. It still might get in for Best Picture. The Producers Guild did. What it shows me is that the Producers Guild and the Academy both have the preferential ballot, which means um, they pick their top movies. So it has to be their passionate favorites, and then it has to go on down their list. Carol does not appear to have had enough, or room for that matter, which I always had my doubts about room, but I kind of went along with it because it seemed like it was really strong. Brooklyn is the one that's coming back with the Producers Guild. So now we're seeing more of what 
the broader academy thinks of or industry thinks of these movies as opposed to critics, pundits, and bloggers who are much more insular in that world of like uh, how we define a good film. Um, the thing about Carol is that it has visceral reactions from some people that I was pushing aside because I love the movie so much and I didn't have this experience, but there were people who said to me, three different people told me they thought Kate Blanchett was predatory. Um, they didn't like it. One was a gay man who said he thought she was predatory. She was too old for um, Rooney Mara. Um, uh, you know, a couple of other people told me the same thing. And then I talked to somebody else who said that their other friends of theirs said the exact same thing. And so it, that is something that, you know, is just a, is just a reaction, an irrational reaction to the casting of the film, um, that critics didn't see or address or care about. And, you know, we were all just sort of swooning at it. But you said that the, the bigger groups weren't talking about Carol, but the bigger groups are talking about Force Awakens, and that wasn't on the Producer Guild's nomination today either. Yeah, well, the thing about The Force Awakens is that the movie on its own wasn't going to get in. There's no way. It's a sequel. It's branded. It's not very um, deep. It's pretty simple. It's fun, but it's not the kind of movie they usually choose. The only thing that would have pushed it in was two things. Kathleen Kennedy produced it. Then number two, it's going to be the highest grossing film of all time. But when they were filling out their ballots, they didn't know that. Because it hadn't yet hit. Yeah, it hadn't, it hadn't overtaken Avatar's box office. And that is impressive enough to put it in the race. So if Producers Guild had their ballots right now and they were voting, they'd probably put it in there. But they had it earlier. You know, they turned them all in earlier before this news really broke. So it's still an open question whether the Academy will do that or not. And then a few sort of surprises were that it was a pretty good sci-fi lineup at the Producers Guild. It was The Martian... Ex Machina and something else that I've now forgotten. And Mad Max. Oh yeah. yes, Mad Max. Right. People don't often think of it as sci-fi because they think it's um you know it's on the ground. It's a, but it is a future movie. It's about the out end of the the world, the apocalypse, and it, I guess it would be or dystopic, you know, fiction right. or what they call it. it. I think it does qualify as sci-fi. I'm, I'm not really sure that it does actually, but I know that it's not. <laughs> it doesn't take place in present day. It's right. future. So, yeah, those three, and, and, you know, we don't know if all three will make it into the Oscars. The Martian and, and Mad Max will, but I'm not sure about Ex Machina. But that's pretty, that seems like a, a pretty um, forward thing for the, for the Oscars and Producers Guild this year, those three movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the Producers Guild, they're a little more open because they did nominate Star Trek, of all things, and District 9 and um, Avatar the same year. So they did have that year where they had three the Academy only picked District 9 and Avatar. They, they didn't pick Star Trek. So um, that's interesting. But, um, but yeah, they, they, they are – this is the thing about this year is there's so many choices, so many choices of films to pick, and they're all really good. And so in a way, no one really knew how it was going to go. Starting with the SAG Awards were a huge surprise to everybody because you had Beast of No Nation, which – you know, nobody thought was going to get do anything because it was such a small movie. Um, straight out of Compton, Trumbo came out of left field. And then the big short suddenly showed up and, and now looks like it's dominating the race. And Spotlight. And, you know, nobody thought, nobody would have predicted that the SAG would have gone that way. They would have said Carol, Brooklyn, Room, you know, one of these movies that we were talking about. Not movies that they liked, but they, I guess, you know, don't like those movies as much as we thought that they would. So that was a surprise. Then Spotlight getting left off of the Eddie nominations, the Editors Guild, was a huge surprise because that's a really important stat. You know, you haven't 
seen a, a winner without an editing nomination since like Driving Miss Daisy. Like that's oh, okay. how. Okay, so they go together, editing and best picture. And directing, yeah, uh-huh. editing, directing, and best picture, and, and the guilds have about six thousand people um, voting. So it's just been a really unpredictable, crazy ride, and I don't think anyone can say with confidence they know where this thing is going in any category. There's not one category that I think is decided. When we talked last time, it was right after you had been in Telluride. It was in September, and everyone was talking about Steve Jobs, um, the movie. Is it just me, or is that Oscar buzz died down? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, it died, it, and the reason it died was because it they op- they decided to take the movie wide um, and not release, just keep it in limited box office. Because if it had stayed in limited box office, it would have slowly gained speed. People would have seen it. Maybe they would have liked it. Maybe they wouldn't have. But once it went wide and it bombed, I mean, it bombed at the box office. Worse than, I mean, I don't even think it's made more money since that day that it opened. At, it just stalled at $17 million and it never made. And that's one thing in the, in the industry that they don't like, that they can't deal with, is an out-and-out bomb. So that hurt them, and that's why nobody's really going near the movie right now. What do you do? You're not an engineer. You're not a designer. You can't put a hammer to a nail. I built the circuit board. The graphical interface was stolen. So how come, 10 times in a day, I read Steve Jobs as a genius? What do you do? Musicians play their instruments. I play the orchestra. And if you would have to say the front runners today um, for best picture, what would those be? Well, if you go by stats, Right now, only two movies can really win, and that's uh, The Big Short and Spotlight. And The Big Short even has the, believe it or not, has the edge over Spotlight because it has the Editor's Guild nomination. The whole housing market is propped up on these bad loans. They will fail. The housing market is rock solid. It's a time bomb. So Mike Burry, who gets his hair cut at Supercuts and doesn't wear shoes, knows more than Alan Greenspan. Dr. Mike Burry, yes, he does. <laughs> you know what? I'm pissed off. American people are getting screwed by the big banks. And I am getting madder and madder. It's unbelievable. Then this guy walks into my office and says... There's some shady stuff going down. Spotlight has the benefit of being a film coming out of Telluride. And those kind of those movies since Million Dollar Baby have always won. Like the earlier you get it out there, the better chance it has. Um, mm-hmm. It has a couple of strikes against it, but um, but those are the two I think that have the biggest chance. And then right behind them, I would say would be The Martian, which is still going strong, and Mad Max, which is also good. Those two kind oh. of might cancel each other out, right? Because they're they're both sort of, you know, sci-fi movies. They're both by, you know, old-time respected directors. If anyone here has missed it, The the Big Short is an Adam McKay movie about the housing um, bubble, basically, with an incredible cast. Um, and uh, Spotlight is the movie about the uh, Boston Globe investigation into the Catholic priest scandal in Boston in 2007, I think. Right. But those four, that's a pretty good lineup. I mean, you know, we always try to do, since we have more than five best pictures now, we always try to say, well, what would be the five if they were still doing five? And I think we can pretty much say that the five would be Spotlight, Big Short, Martian, um, Mad Max, 
And then one more. Um, and what one would that be? That would be an open slot. And, and you know, it could be Brooklyn because Brooklyn is really well loved. Um, uh, it's straight out of Compton. It could be that. You know, that's coming up in the, the end here. But, um, but those seem to be, to me, the strongest contenders right now. And what happened? Sort of everyone was talking using the the uh, the words Oscar bait about two movies recently. That's The Revenant and Hateful Eight, and and those don't seem to be coming up much either in terms of what could be nominated in the bigger categories. I, I, I take it back. The Revenant would be number five. Oh, I'm you sorry. think so? Yeah, I do. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's that's the one that would be number five. So. Um, it's 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 a it's a well respected, highly ambitious film that I think they would wouldn't ignore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it may, maybe it would get left off and it would be a big shock or whatever. But um, but Hateful Eight is too violent. It's too you know the the last part of it is too violent for most people, um, and certainly for the Academy, it would never they would never go for that kind of thing. I mean, they, they picked violent movies in the past, um, all the Scorsese movies, of course, and the Godfather movies and Silence of the Lambs, but. The Hateful Eight has much more extreme violence than any of those movies, and there doesn't even seem to really be a point to it. So I don't really have a lot of faith. I mean, it it has an outside chance of getting in, but look at all these other movies that are pushing through that would take that spot, you know, Room and even Star Wars and Inside Out and um, Beasts of No Nation or Creed. You know, those movies would would definitely take, take precedence over... Hateful Eight, I think. And those were sort of, we talked a little bit about the guilds and, 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 and those, the winners in those. But everyone thought that the, or looking on Twitter, that the Golden Globes were kind of a weird. Did you feel that way too, the nominations? A little bit. Um, I didn't think that they were too weird considering they're, you know, they, they're a little bit more in line with what Oscar pundits and critics are thinking. They're a little bit more like the SAGs were just completely out of left field. Okay, how? Well, with Sarah Silverman and Helen Mirren in the Best Actress race, like no one would have ever have predicted that uh, that Helen Mirren would have gotten in for Woman in Gold mm-hmm. and that Sarah Silverman would have gotten in for I Smile Back. Both those movies were panned by critics, so it was surprising to see that um but sag they i mean golden globes kind of went along a little bit more with the narrative quote unquote you know like uh they put rooney mara and um and kate blanchett both in lead and they have carol you know they have i think todd haynes is nominated for director there so that's why i don't really count carol out for best picture at the oscars because i think that it still has enough power in that smaller smaller branches will see it as their favorite movie and it might get in how much of a predictor is the golden globes to the oscars the golden globe um screenplay category is pretty pretty good at figuring out what's going to go give or take a movie here or there but um but you really want to show up there if you want to win best picture and i think both spotlight and big short are in that category um but what they do, the Golden Globes, is that they give people a chance to get up in front of an audience, a really big audience, and they can sway buzz. Like if they get up there and nobody likes seeing them win, and they're just like, ugh, he shouldn't have won, you know, then they're not going to vote for you. And if, but if they love seeing you win, like Kate Winslet winning two Oscar or two Golden Globes in one night, they're going to be so excited they're going to want to vote for you. So it, it can sway public opinion. It's, it's major publicity. But as far as its own nominations go, um, they the Oscar ballots close before the 
um, before the Golden Globe. Right. The Oscar ballots closed on now on January 8th, but then they can still vote after the Golden Globe winners have been announced this weekend. So that, yeah, okay. Okay, I get it then. So we have a um, the Swedish Alicia Vikander in what seems to be in several separate categories during these um, other awards that have been uh, both for Ex Machina and for um, the Danish girl. Is that good or bad that she's being considered in two movies? Uh, I think it's great. She's very, you know, popular. She's sort of taking the town by storm right now. And um, uh, I think she's going to get in for both, actually. That's my prediction, but I could be totally wrong. I think she's getting in for lead for Danish Girl and supporting for Ex Machina at the Oscars. But uh, we'll see. I think she's going to end up being a double nominee, which gives her a better chance at actually winning one. Oh, you think so? Because sometimes one would say that it, being nominated in two places would sort of cancel you out, but not in this case, you think? Uh, yeah, it can. It definitely can. But it, it used to be back in the days, the 70s and 80s, that if you got a double nomination, you would win one of them supporting usually like Jessica Lange winning for Tootsie and not for Francis, you know, but, um, but I don't know about now. I, I think that she's going to win an Oscar. I'm just not sure in which category, but, um, Oh, so you're pretty sure about that. I think, yeah, I think she's really good in Danish girl and ex machina. And I think the buzz of the both performances and plus people are in love with her here. They're just in love with her, the voters. And so I think if she gets in supporting for Danish girl, she'll win. If she gets in supporting for Ex Machina, she'll win. She has a really good chance of winning. Um, so we'll see. I, yeah, I think I think that Alicia Vikander is going to walk away an Oscar winner, but we'll see if I'm right. Hello. How do you feel about her? Oh, man, she's amazing. You're impressed? <laughs> yes. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Now the question is, how does she feel about you? Do you think about me when we are together? Did you give her sexuality as a diversion tactic? This is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. Bye. Did you know that I was brought here to test you? <laughs> Does Ava actually like you? Or is she pretending to like you? Nathan, isn't your friend wrong? Wrong about what? Everything. The categories both for supporting actress and um actress seem really tight this year am i right yeah yeah but um but but supporting has always been kind of down to v kender versus um rooney mara and if if um well let's say they both go in for danish girl and carol and neither of those films gets in for best picture well then it's going to be twice as hard for um rooney mara to get in um then to win than it would be for um, Alicia Vikander because she already has a PGA nomination for Ex Machina. She's you know really well liked. She comes in with all that buzz. So yeah, I mean I think she's she's got a, a really good shot. But yeah, it's a pretty crowded. They're in. I can't think of a single category where there's a, a slam dunk winner. I don't even think Leonardo DiCaprio is a is a lock for to win in Best Actor. You know. Well, if we can just now, this this will be the week before the nominations come out on the 14th to, to wrap this up. Would you mind giving us who you think will be nominated? And then we'll see next week if you were right for a couple of the categories. Who's going to be nominated for Best Actor, for example? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Willingness to be wrong. Just yes. Remember. Okay. You're very I, brave now. <laughs> I think it's going to be, um, I'll go from most likely to, lead, to, to what I'm not so sure about so it goes um brian cranston leonardo dicaprio um 
I think that it will be Steve Carell for the big short. That's three. I think um, Matt Damon gets in for the Martian. That's four. And then five is going to be down to Eddie Redmayne versus Johnny Depp um, for the, their films. I think that, that it's going to be really tight there. But um, but I don't know who gets the edge. I you No know? one from Spotlight. Well, they're going to be in supporting. Okay. Yeah. So who's su- supporting actor? That's the toughest category to predict right now. But I'd say Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies is a lock. Um, I'm going to say Idris Elba from Beasts of No Nation, probably. Um, Christian Bale from The Big Short. Um, and then I think it's Sylvester Stallone from Creed. That's four. And then the fifth spot is going to be tough. It's going to be Jacob Tremblay for Room versus Paul Dano for Love and Mercy um, versus Michael Shannon for 99 Homes. I don't think the spotlight guys are getting in because the reason is Mark Ruffalo is the one who deserves to get the nomination because his is the standout performance. But no one really wants to let go of Michael Keaton because they love him so much and he didn't win for Birdman. He's such a big star. So the two of them are kind of canceling each other out. Voters aren't going to pick both because it's too competitive of a year. So they choose one or the other, and they end up kind of um, making it so neither of them. But if money, if I had to bet, I'd bet that Ruffalo's the one that gets in. If, if they really love the movie, then you'll see it there. An actress supporting a best? Actress would be Brie Larson from Room, Saoirse Ronan, Brooklyn, Kate Blanchett, Carol. Um, I'm going to say Alicia Vikander, the Danish girl. Um, and then it gets a little trickier because you have um, Jennifer Lawrence, maybe for Joy, or Charlotte Rampling for 45 years. If Alicia Vikander gets in supporting and that and that leaves open a slot, it's possible you could see um, Charlize get in for, for Mad Max Fury Road. It's, it's an outside chance, but it's not totally out of you know, out of the realm of, of likely likelihood. Um, supporting would be Alicia Vikander for either Ex Machina or Danish Girl. Uh, Rooney Mara for Carol. Jennifer Jason Leigh for The Hateful Eight. Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. And then the fifth spot is down to Kristen Stewart versus Helen Mirren, probably. Or Rachel McAdams for Spotlight. She could get in, too. You want to watch for Spotlight's popularity with the Academy by how many acting nominations it gets because the actors are the biggest branch of the Academy. And, um, so what they like really matters. So you want to watch for what films that they like that get acting nominations. And that's a tough one, I guess, the spotlight and, and the ones that are sort of ensembles that people may be not able to pick out. Exactly. Like the best. Yeah. So, and then finally director and best film. So director is going to be George Miller from Mad Max Fury Road. And I'm going to say Ridley Scott for The Martian, Tom McCarthy for Spotlight, Inaritu for The Revenant, and then it's down to Todd Haynes for Carol versus Steven Spielberg for Bridge of Spies. Um, and that's how I think it's going to go. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Adam McKay for The Big Short. He's definitely in there. Oh, yes, of course. i got to put him back up at the top. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's definitely up there. Oh, yeah, I don't know why I have him so low on my list. That's crazy. And then Ridley Scott for The Martian, Tom McCarthy Spotlight, Inaritu Revenant, and then Todd Haynes and Steven Spielberg will battle it out for that fifth spot. Okay. And then Best Picture, Spotlight, The Big Short, Mad Max, The Martian, The Revenant, Straight Outta Compton, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, and then I'm going to still predict Carol. 
And Sicario would be my number 10. If the listeners don't remember, it's 10, up to 10 that can be um, nominated. Up to 10, but usually nine. Like 10 is considered an anomaly. Like it has to be kind of a freaky thing to get 10. This could be the year that they finally get 10, but since they changed the rules, the most they've ever gotten is nine. Well, this is, we're going to, we'll, We'll tweet you next week when we've heard <laughs> the nominations were. Sounds good. It was nice talking and with you. Sorry it took so long. No, no, that's fine. And and um, maybe I can give you a call back before um, end of February there um, before, and we'll get your predictions, the real predictions for the big night. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you so much again to Sasha Stone of awardsdaily.com. Follow her on Twitter, for example, for the best awards news around, and to see about her predictions she made here for the nominations. And thank you for listening. We have so many great things coming up on this season. We're even taking this little show on the road. More information about that really soon. But check us out on Twitter at PodPopCulture and on the site, popcultureconfidential.com. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, music by Karl Borg, produced by René Wittestedt and myself. I'm Christina Jörling-Biro. Until next time. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 